All right, guys. Our next guest is one of the best analysts in the game. You know him from his excellent analysis and commentary for the UFC, Bellator, Invicta, Fox Sports, and ESPN. Oh, and the fun continues on his YouTube channel where he's always got fresh fight breakdowns and previews he is kind enough to join us today to preview the biggest fights at ufc 251 i'm so excited jimmy smith it has been a while welcome back to the show how are you man your intros make me feel great about myself <laughs> i just want you to know what it does for my self-esteem and my life to hear myself in those kind of terms it's just makes me cry every time <laughs> well it's well deserved jimmy and I mean, let's kick things off because there is a mammoth main event happening this weekend at UFC 251 between Jorge Masvidal and Kamaru Usman. But we wanted to get your reaction. What was your reaction when you saw, hey, this isn't just some crazy dream that we're having right here. This fight is actually going to happen. Look, here's the deal for me. And, and there's a big line. Every now and then there's this fight where I don't say casual fans, but most fans emotionally get, get, get wrapped up in it. But people like me, whose job it is to look at the X's, X's and O's and, and, and the tactics and all these things, have a totally different view of it. Everybody was kind of jumping up and down. Jorge Masvidal versus Kamosun is going to happen. And I went, I think Burns is a much tougher fight. I think Burns is a way harder tactically. I think he matches up much better with Kamaru Usman. I think, obviously, much more prepared. He had a full camp. Jorge Masvidal on a short camp, I thought was a much, I don't want to say easier, it's going to be easy, but... I think Kamaru Usman taking on a Jorge Masvidal on short notice has to be going great. More attention, more press, more media, more news for a guy that I think I match up with better, that I can out-wrestle, that I don't have to worry about his ground game when I do take him down. And he's on a short camp, so I know I'm going to own those championship rounds. So, like, kind of like fans thought one thing, and then I was – I felt like, you know – I don't know, like, like alone going, you know, I think Gilbert Burns is the tougher fight. I would have been more excited about that. So there's a disconnect there for me. Just quickly on that Gilbert Burns fight, who were you leaning towards more in that one? Was it Burns? Did you think he was going to get the upset in that one? <sighs> he certainly could have. Kamaru Usman just looked so good his last few times in the octagon. He spent a lot more time at the weight class. Um, I think he had more ways to win, even though I think Burns is a very tough test. I probably would have slightly gone with Kamaru Usman, but tactically, um, Burns has a lot of weapons. And so that would have been a very, very interesting fight. This is much more clear cut to me. Mm. It's interesting because that one would, in a lot of ways, be more exciting because in this one, we're going to be breaking it down, but it could sort of end up being a not-so-fan-friendly fashion play out over five rounds. Whereas that one, Burns is just so great on the ground. Who knows what would have happened if Kamaru right. Usman would have taken it there. Let me quickly ask this because you brought it up just before. Uh, Jorge Masvidal is taking this fight on six days' notice. He admitted that he was training three days a week and then doing alternative fitness things like playing spike ball on the other days. So he didn't have a fight-specific uh, sort of camp going into this. And now we find out that Mike Brown, his head coach, tested positive for COVID. Mm. So he won't even be in Jorge's uh, corner as well. And obviously, Masvidal is a very, very experienced professional. But how much of an effect do you think all these factors will have in the preparation for this fight. Huge. Huge. I mean, what professional athlete goes into a big game or big event or whatever you want unprepared physically? I mean, you can get a couple rounds on heart and balls and guts. Beyond that, it's tough, man, to physically keep up with something like Kamar Usman, who's known for his pace, known for his gas, big for the weight class, very, very strong. Um, what, what people have trouble under understanding, and, and I brought this up 
when I talked about this on ESPN last week, they said, well, he's been keeping in shape. And I go, it's not like pre-COVID gyms where there were 50 guys in there and there's all these murderers and just being at American Top Team. You'd stay in shape just because, you know, sparring days and all that stuff. It's almost by appointment only. Guys aren't in there unless they have a fight coming up or they're helping somebody very, very specifically. We can't. They're trying to keep a lot of people out of the gyms. So it isn't even that normal, a.k.a. Jackson Week big gym, just being in there keeps you in shape. That's not happening right now. So even that that idea that a lot of MMA fighters have, which is, oh, man, I'm always in shape because you never know when you're going to get the call. Well, they're trying to keep people out of gyms to keep it safer. So he's not even going to have the normal off-fight prep he would normally have. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a huge factor, maybe the factor. Hmm. So as a former fighter yourself, Jimmy, if you read between the lines, you know, people talk about how this is going to be a massive payday for Masvidal. People talk about how he's finally realizing a title shot, you know, so late into his career. But, you know, when you see him take a fight on such short notice, and in theory, a lot of the odds are stacked against him, what, what does that sort of tell you about Masvidal's mindset, you know, going into this one? Dude got paid. He got paid. You think, you think that's the he biggest motivator? Just take a fight knowing that, look, maybe, maybe it's not going to go my way, but I'm going to get a big payday? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think he's going in there with a loser's mentality. I want to mm. make that very, very clear. Mm. I don't think he's going in there to lose or like, F it, I'm already getting paid. Here's the deal. This is a guy, look at the breadth of his career. This is the best streak he's ever been on. It's the most popular he's ever been. It's the most seriously he's ever been taken as a contender. He's been, most of his career, a win-some-lose-some kind of guy at the elite level. You know, win three, lose two, blah, blah, blah. He's never been like a GSP, Jose Aldo, that long, consistent run at the weight class where he's always been on the contender list. He's never really been that guy. So he has to strike while the iron's hot. He had the UFC in a tough spot. They needed a backup very quickly, and he got himself a new contract out of it. Do I think he doesn't think he can win? No, I think he believes he can win. But you have to get such a good deal. That if I lose, it's not the end of the world. I will get enough remuneration that this isn't my one shot. I got a new contract. I got a boatload of money. I can build off of this. And he got that. So what it tells me about him is he had the perfect negotiating position. And he used it for everything it was worth. I think, you know, good for him. I'm very, very happy about that. You know, it's not a bad thing. It's, it's got to be worth losing. Right. When his manager gets this contract, he's got to tell Dana, look, this has got this might be his only title shot ever in his whole life. Look at 155. It's a murderer's row. Right. No easy fights in the top 10 and 155. It would take forever to get through that to get a title shot. Right. I mean, Dustin Poy has a great performance against Dan Hooker. He's still third. <laughs> you know, look at Jorge Masvidal to get the top of that. When we look at 170, there aren't a lot of sexy matchups for him at, at, at 170. There's Wonder Boy who already beat him. There is Colby Covington, these standout wrestlers, these really tricky strikers, these these much bigger guys that he would have to get through to get another title shot. This might be his last opportunity. So his manager went, look, this might be his only shot. you got to pay us a boatload of money to spend this ammunition <laughs> when we didn't have a full camp. Great point, mate. Let's quickly look at the other side of the camp and Kamara Usman, who was preparing for Gilbert Burns. What do you think his preparation, how do you think that applies to this last minute change up? And do you think there's some uh, things that he was preparing for for Burns that can translate over for this fight? I suppose in particularly uh, the wrestling and the grappling will, will be a big uh, key for Usman in this one. Yeah, I, I, he probably spent most of the time on very, very safe wrestling. Right, take Burns down without giving up anything. They're they're, they're training partners. He knows what he's good at. Um, if you go a single leg on Gilbert Burns, he'll fly for something crazy, and he might get it. 
So it probably worked on a lot of safe takedowns. But the important thing when it comes to Masvidal fight is Burns is an explosive fighter when it comes to the stand-up at mid-range. He's got nice hands, good combinations. And I've talked to a lot of his his sparring partners and former sparring partners the last couple of weeks. I'm, I live here in South Florida. And they were like, Burns is super explosive at that mid-range. Like he can throw a leaping left hook right before you can see it. He throws really good combinations. He's very, very powerful. And Usman knows that. They're former training partners. So a lot of his training was what? Handling a guy who's really good at medium range. That's exactly where Masvidal's great at. He's not a fantastic kicker. Uh, he doesn't have a, a devastating clinch game. He's a medium range puncher. That's what he's great at. Well, that's what Burns was great at too when it came to the stand-up. So I think a lot of his training is going to translate, and now it frees up his wrestling. He, you know, Masvidal has decent jujitsu, but not the kind that's going to catch a standout wrestler uh, from his guard, anything like that. He doesn't have to worry about that. So I think a lot of his training does translate, and the things he didn't work on, I think he's able to kind of let off the chain now. Like, oh, great, my double leg's going to be a lot more effective. I don't have to worry about a world champion in jiu-jitsu countering my takedown. Mm. The other factor here is, before we move into the the matchup, is the weight cut for Masvidal. Obviously, he was talking to Ariel Hawani. mentioned he was about 190, but then you also got to factor in the fact that he's gone all the way over there to Fight Island. Um, how much do you think cutting that weight He's already hasn't had the, the most ideal fight camp and maybe isn't there cardio-wise when it comes to having five rounds of potential wrestling against Kamaru Usman. But how much do you think this weight cut could play uh, a part in this fight for him as well? That's going to suck. <laughs> it's going to suck. I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, John Anik just, just tweeted out, hey, I'm in my hotel room here in Abu Dhabi and I got to quarantine for 48 hours. With all this COVID stuff, you can't get in a sauna with somebody else, right? I mean, a lot of the facilities that would normally be open, you can't run in this heat. I mean, you probably cut weight sitting outside. <laughs> Last week, and nobody's talking about this enough, in my opinion, it was 108 degrees <laughs> last week in Abu Dhabi. I mean... I don't know, 43 degrees Celsius. I mean, just just in, insanity, right? Like you 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 can't go outside. Like when I did ESPN last week, they had a lead in about Fight Island, and what did it show? Oh, Gilbert Burns sitting on the beach. And then we start. I'm like, guys, this isn't my Thai weather. This is you don't go outside or you burst into flames like Lost Boys. That's what I'm talking about. Here. It's like a vampire movie. You can't even go outside. So you know, are they gonna have the facilities to cut weight? I mean, you can't. Once again, you can't. I mean, literally, you can't run on the beach. You'll die. So, I mean, will he have the facilities to cut weight? You know, this isn't a normal run-of-the-mill way to go. And the way he's, he's, he's flying by private jet, that's great. But flying, traveling makes you retain water. And as you said, we're not in the greatest cardio shape in the world right now. The amount of cardio he's going to do to cut 20 pounds, normally in shape, he can do that pretty well. If he's not in shape, it's going to take a lot out of him. Mm. What I'm curious about, Jimmy, is, you know, we know how much the odds are stacked against Masvidal. But if you had to sort of draw up a path to victory, a way where he could beat Usman, how would you see that happening? Make it emotional and knock him out in the first two rounds. That That's the best way to go is, in a sense... It wouldn't surprise me if we saw some kind of um, – God, I don't want to say over the top because, you know, what's over the top today in MMA? <laughs> but a lot of Masvidal trying to get in Usman's head. I dare you to stand with me. I'm going to knock your ass out. All this – you know, I know the stare downs are a little different and all this stuff on Fight Island. Who knows how it's going to work? But every chance he gets, basically daring Kamara Usman to not wrestle with him. That's what I would do because if, you know, at a, in a medium-range boxing match – he can put him out in the first two rounds. I think past round, halfway through the third round, I think his gas tank is going to be pretty empty. And we're going to start seeing serious problems with with uh, uh, Masvidal's energy level. So 
your first few rounds is you want a dogfight. You want it backyard like you got started in the backyards of Miami and Overtown. You want that kind of vibe in the first two rounds where maybe I can land that shot that can put him down. Because if Usman turns this into a wrestling match from the beginning, it's hard to find that path to victory. Of course, if it's a stand-up battle, Masvidal has a shot, but he has to make Usman emotional. And it could be, if we look back on this and Masvidal does win, it could be in a sense that the worst thing that ever happened to Kamar Usman was knocking out Colby Covington. Because before that, mm-hmm. it was uh, four decisions in a row. Tyron Woodley, RDA, Damian Maya, in the Meek fight. Tough guy, but it went the distance, right? And then he knocks out Colby Covington, and suddenly he's like, wow, this guy has real power. And Man, you want to go back to that. Remember how you took Rafael Dos Anjos down to the point where he was like, I don't want to fight, and he just could not do anything? That's what he wanted to do. That's the kind of fight he wants against Masvidal. If Masvidal can make him emotional about it and start thinking about, you know, knock you out the way I knocked out Covington, bad things are going to happen. It's a it's a great point, Jimmy. We've seen a lot of wrestlers fall in love with their striking, not to say that's what's going to happen with Usman, because obviously his wrestling is fantastic, but not only that, but he's he's so good at blending striking into grappling and doing it very seamlessly. We saw it especially in the Woodley fight that gave Woodley fits. And I'm just wondering, from your perspective, A, what, how, how is it that he's so good at it? Uh, because that, that in itself is a talent. And also, in those moments where he goes from striking to grappling, do you feel like those are the small windows of opportunity for Masvidal to to capitalize on, you know, while Usman is still standing with him. Yeah, he certainly could. The, the issue is you're not going to get those Ben Askren diving double legs from across the octagon. He doesn't really do that. He likes to clinch and then drop for a really, really safe takedown. So what he likes to do is get you against the fence, lean on you, mm. and then hit short double legs, snatch single legs, snatch high crotch, the simple, easy takedowns that don't allow – a lot of you know knees in the middle and elbows in the middle and uppercuts in the middle. He's not an open space kind of takedown guy. He doesn't dive for takedowns out in the middle of the octagon. He likes to push you against the fence and make it safe. That's what he's really good at. So, yeah, normally Masvidal would have opportunities in, in, in those instances, but he doesn't really allow for those a lot. Same deal with Covington. Covington doesn't really take you down in space either. He's, he likes to push you against the fence and then get his work done. Mm. I gotta ask you this, Jimmy. A lot of people sort of anticipating the first bell of every round because there could be that flying knee from Jorge Masvidal that he lands up in hopes of hitting Kamara Usman with it. Do you think he uh, abandons similar techniques like that in this one, or do you think he doubles down at certain points in the fight to see if they work? I think he doubles down simply because, you know, I don't think I think he knows. I got. I mean, my the first fight I ever I ever fought. I had three days notice, and I remember walking into the cage, going, "Well, I got about a round in me." I said that to him. I got, I got, I got a good five minutes. Either I finish guy in five minutes, or I'm gonna lose. And I finished him in like 28 seconds. But if if it's that same deal, except rounds four and five, I think honestly, Masvidal is gonna say to himself, "Look, I got." three good rounds in me and beyond that this isn't going to work so it wouldn't surprise me you saw him double down on a lot of flying knees and uppercuts and elbows and stuff that might end a fight quickly it, it would be for him to do that he cannot do what justin gaethje did against tony ferguson which is kind of conserve his energy and pick his shots he he can't really do that because i think kamar usman brings too much physical pressure mm. it's interesting and you mentioned like leaning against the cage and obviously nate diaz did that a lot to jorge and you think well if nate diaz can do that there's very 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 good chance that usman's going to do that <laughs> which is going to make it interesting because if this is kind of like a woodley fight and usman's obviously been criticized pretty heavily throughout a lot of his career for having kind of you know 
maybe not so fan-friendly fight. So if, if you go in here, Masvidal takes this fight on short notice, gets a massive payday, Usman beats him, but, you know, doesn't do it in exciting fashion. You know, you can you can play with the narrative as far as who really came up on top, you know, Masvidal winning even more fans. So it's going to be interesting. I'm, I am curious, though, who are you leaning towards? If you had to make a prediction, normally we stay away from predictions, but I feel like because you're not commentating for this one, because nope. uh, yeah, now you're free to do predictions. What what is the official Jimmy Smith prediction for this one? I, I think anything other than Kamaru Usman in a in a fight that goes past three rounds is that, that's the smart money. Is Kamaru Usman either late stoppage or or a decision? The the, the best, not the best, but of course the best outcome for Masvidal. He knocks him out in the first couple of rounds. But if we see to your point, him really give a good two rounds to Kamaru Usman, and then run out of gas. That sets up the narrative for, God, if he just had a full camp, right? Mm. Oh, my God, if he just had two more rounds in him, he would have won that fight. If he can push that story, he could have a rematch and make even more money. So if he can give us two good rounds, and then obviously Usman might take over in round three, four, or five and, and win a decision, a lot of his fans, a lot of fans in general will say, God, if he had a full camp, he would have won that fight. And that would be huge for Masvidal. Mm, it's going to be fascinating fighting uh, in the early morning out on the beach. You, you would think that would suit a guy like Masvidal who used to fight in backyards and doesn't really care about his environment as much as a guy like Kamaru Usman, who's more of a professional athlete and less of a brawler. But it's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Let's quickly talk about the big match here that all the Australians are looking at, and that's, of course, Alistair Konofsky versus Max Holloway, too. What do you make of Eugene Behrman and City Kickboxing game plans and the way they're able to execute them? A lot of Analysts have been blown away by the levels of striking they've been able to bring to their fighters. Yeah, and also the discipline. That's the weird thing. It's it's not the technique. I mean, the technique is excellent. He's an excellent striking coach. I don't mean to Sorry, I don't mean to say that. What what I mean to say is the fighter has to stick to the game plan. You can make the best game plan in the world and and have your opponent totally dead to rights and all this stuff and your opponent your your fighter goes out there and decides to get in a brawl and it all Falls apart for no reason. He fought a disciplined fight the last time against Holloway. Mm. When I saw it, I went midway through the second round or something. I was like, man, he's sticking to the game plan. I really thought in round one, the way he's controlling him, leg kicking, countering. I thought, well, you know, Holloway might eventually draw him into a brawl here. I mean, let's you, you can't stay out of a brawl with Max Holloway for five rounds. And he did. And he did. He never fell for that game plan. So what's so interesting to me is not just what they've been taught because it was – Almost a perfect game plan. It was Volkanovski's execution and discipline. DC against Stipe started out great in the last fight and then started brawling with a bigger heavyweight and got knocked out. And, you know, uh, Javier Mendez said that. He goes, you know, DC has the right game plan. He just doesn't always, sometimes he gets caught up. And hmm. da, da, da. Volkanovski never did that. So to me, that's a credit to, to not just the game plan, but his discipline in following that game plan. That was exemplary. Mm. I guess the other thing is like with with Max, he always gets better as the fight goes on. You know, he's 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 always looking better, better as the rounds stack up. He gets more comfortable, you know, finds his range. So I'm very curious what kind of Max we're going to see here. And sort of to your point, you know, the fact that Alex was able to stay consistent and shut him down was equally impressive. But the big story of that one was Alex Volkanovsky's leg kicks to sort of neutralize Max's game. If you're Max, how do you get around that one? Because that's going to be a big obstacle if you can't uh, this coming weekend. I had a boxing person ask me about checking kicks. Mm. And I said, it's a really hard instinct to build. It really is because 
I don't know if either of you guys are kickbox. You're putting a sensitive part of your body, the shin, and turning it towards something flying at you. It's it's you don't learn it, you know, hands up, chin down, all this other stuff. Uh, basics I can teach you in a few days. Leg checking is almost like slipping a punch. Like it's it's a difficult instinct to build, right? And the timing's hard. Uh, your stance is really different. It really switches things around. It is one of the hardest techniques to really learn and master. Is is checking leg kicks effectively? Will Holloway do that? Or the simpler answer to me is if you bring enough physical pressure and don't give Volkanovski the space to throw the leg kicks and make him always have to deal with punches, that can negate that as well. And I think that's what Holloway's probably going to do rather than become a leg-checking master in between two fights. Mm. He'll probably try to bring more physical pressure, which he's always done anyway. You know, tweak that. If you guys had a fight right now and you said, man, I'm fighting a Muay Thai guy, I would just say every time he throws a, a, a leg kick, punch him. Mm-hmm. I, like, I don't have time to teach you how to check a kick, right? <laughs> I don't have time to teach you how to you know, switch your leg fast enough to avoid a leg kick. I, we have five minutes. Every time he throws a leg kick, punch him in the face. Okay, now it won't always work and it won't always land, but he'll be off balance a lot trying to throw on one leg, right? So pressure and volume can beat that. Holloway's good at those things. So it wouldn't surprise me if he just ramps up the pressure and volume in order to negate the leg kicks rather than learning how to check, which takes a long time. Mm. So I guess the big question here is, Jimmy, how do you think it plays out? Do you believe Volkanovski is able to hold on to his title or do you think Max Holloway is able to modify his game plan, like you mentioned, enough to sort of win this one? The X factor to me that will decide this fight is Volkanovski has been saying a lot of, I don't like the fact that people thought the first round, the first fight was close. I want to knock him out. I want to finish him. I want to, you know, make sure that everybody knows I'm a 145 pound champion. Don't do that. <laughs> do not do that. Fight a smart, controlled, contained, disciplined fight, and you will win again. If you go in there and try to knock out a guy with an iron chin who's Hawaiian, who loves <laughs> brawling, nothing good is going to come from that. So it's really up to Volkanovski. I think that's pre-fight bravado. I think he will fight very smart. I think he keeps the title. But I'm telling you, if he goes out there going, I'm going to prove the haters wrong and da-da-da, don't fight like you're on Twitter, dude. All right? Fight like you are fighting for your title and go out there and fight smart. If he does that, I think he beats Holloway again. What What did you think of Max when he was saying that uh, he hasn't seen his coaches since he got to the airport and he's basically been doing Zoom training sessions? I know that, like, and he mentioned he's been fighting his whole life and he's a professional and he's a phenomenal fighter. Uh, but as a former fighter yourself, I mean, how, how would you have dealt with, uh, you know, not seeing any actual coaches or training partners or anyone and just doing Zoom sessions for, you know, over a month or so? Are either of you guys married? Thankfully, <laughs> no, Jimmy. <laughs> Neither of you are? No. Okay. Right. Do you clean your room when your mom's not around? Do you make your bed when your wife doesn't make you? Yep. Most people, no. Most people <laughs> only do what they have to do when someone's watching them. And so the idea that I'm a professional, I'm this, I'm that. Coaches make you run that extra lap. They make you do that extra thing. If left to your own devices, most of us are weak. Most of us are cowardly when it comes to their own bodies. I'm no exception. I, you know, when I go to jujitsu, I do whatever my coach tells me. End of story. Because I know if I get to choose, I'm doing everything I'm good at. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna do what I'm good at. But if I do what he's good at, ah oh, man, I gotta get better at this sport. This sucks, right? So there's always that. I love this, like, oh, I don't need coaches. I don't need this. I don't need that. Well, 
There's a reason they exist. There's a reason we have those. So the other X factor in the fight, beyond Volkanovski maybe not sticking the game on, is Volkanovski said he's been, you know, separated from his coach and not had a full gym. And Holloway said the same thing. We don't know who's had the prep. And what, what I don't want to see on this incredibly stacked card is a bunch of performances that are, A, influenced by the heat, which you've already gone over, or guys just didn't get full camps and they're running out of gas late in fights. I mean, in the States right now, in South Florida, it's worse than it was a few months ago. So as much as people were, like, trying to work out and it wasn't really working, you know, we've gotten through a lot of it. Now it's even worse and states are clamping down a lot more. I would hate to see all these fights kind of fall flat because of lack of preparation. And I think this fight is a big coin flip. When I tell people, you know, and people want to know odds and who to bet on all this stuff, I said, stay away from Volkanovsky Holloway. There are too many X factors. There are too many questions I have as an analyst about this fight to go anywhere near it because neither guy had great camp, had a great camp. And um, we don't know the, the strategy Volkanovsky is going to take. Mm, so much on the line this weekend. Last fight we want to look at, Jimmy, before we finish up, and that's, of course, Jan taking on Aldo for this vacant UFC bantamweight belt. And even though Jan is expected to win, what do you think it would say about Aldo and his legacy if he can add another belt to that already illustrious career that he's had? The cliff in MMA is generally pretty steep, right? Mm. Once a fighter doesn't have it anymore... Chuck Liddell, Anderson Silva, Tito Ortiz. I can go, I mean, I've been in sport 20 years. I can name 20 names off the top of my head. It's not usually like they're in it for a while and then they slowly, it's usually like, you go off the cliff, right? <laughs> so the fact that Jose Aldo is a contender at this point in his career is insane. I think I think he's probably 80% of the guy he was. I think he like he's just lost a lot of his explosiveness, you know, he's lost some of his power. He's about 80% of what he was in his prime and he's still losing to the best of the best, right? Mm. Volkanovski, Holloway twice. Uh, I thought he beat Marlon Marais, but even losing to Marlon Marais there's no shame in that. He's one of the top 35 pounds in the world. The fact that he's still as elite as he is with all the fights he's been through, that's his legacy. Regardless of how this fight works. Sure, if he wins, I guess his statue on the Mount Rushmore MMA is a little bit bigger. I think he's on it anyway. Um, and he can win this fight. It's it's difficult. He's the underdog. I you know I I, I believe Jan's going to win, but God, he still has incredible ability considering how long he's been in it. And usually, guys with his style, explosive, powerful, dynamic, they don't age well. When those skills go, they go off a cliff. And Dude, he's still in it. It's insane. So, if you're Peter Yan, respect this dude. Respect this guy. I mean, you know, fight your fight and stay solid and keep those hands up and make the octagon small. Do all the things Peter Yan's great at. But I think Joel Zaldo, the fact that he's here and getting this fight says everything you need to know about his legacy. Mm. Just as we let you go, Jimmy, you did mention that you see Peter Yan winning this one. Um, I think most people do. He ha he has just looked like a killer lately. How do you see this one? playing out against against an Aldo who was a lot more aggressive against Marias, but also we don't see those uh, those trademark leg kicks as much as we used to back in the day. No, we don't. And and I probably Jan by decision simply because 
we have a recency bias that's really bad in MMA. It's mm. bad in sports period, but MMA is terrible. Like, once again, when I brought up, you know, and I've been bringing up that 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 Usman won four decisions in a row before the Covington fight, people are like, oh, yeah, he did. I'm like, yeah, no, it wasn't that long ago that he was just a decision machine, right? I mean, <laughs> what, one finish in, like, nine fights or something? You know, like, Sergio Moraes. Other than that, it was all decisions, right? And now he's, like, this killer, and he's going to knock her. But I was like, dude, you know, he doesn't really do that, right? Aljamain Sterling had a very good point. He said, Peter Young got a bunch of hype beating up Uriah Faber, who he was supposed to beat up. He was 41 years old. Like, he's <laughs> u- he's usually a decision guy. You look at John Dodson, Jimmy Rivera, at the elite level, he generally wins by decision. He's not really a knockout guy. He knocked out a guy who's my age. Okay, that's, you know, please. All right? I'm an old man. So <laughs> that's the issue, too, is that people think of Jan as kind of this knockout machine. He's really not. He generally wins by decision. I think that's it because even in his prime, Jose Aldo would generally win the first three rounds or four, and then coast at the end. Even even at his best, when he was the 145-pound king, that's generally it. Now, usually he beat them up so bad with leg kicks and was so far ahead it didn't make any difference. Now we're seeing an inability to pace himself in fights that are much shorter. Where against Marlon Moraes, he would have a great like half of a round, and then he would kind of taper off and the other way around, where he would start slow and then finish strong. Judges, you know, it's up to interpretation who won the fight. So Jan's ability to win decisions, I think, is exactly what he wants against Jose Aldo. He doesn't want a firefight, you know, because Aldo can still hit. But bank minutes, bank rounds, bank fights. That's how you win belts. Well, I'll tell you what. I am so ex- even more excited for this weekend after this, Jimmy. Thank you so much for coming on I the program. Mean, what I do, dude. <laughs> of course. Well, I, was gonna I, I love say. that there's no fence sitting with you. There's just hot takes. You're a hot take machine, Jimmy. I'm a hot, a hot take machine, man. The, the hot take machine, make sure to check out his YouTube channel if you love what you see here from Jimmy. It's always so much fun hearing him break down fights, and we've missed your voice on the broadcast, so we always love having you here on the show. Of course, follow the man on Twitter, at Jimmy Smith MMA, one of the must-follow accounts when it comes to the world of MMA and in general on Twitter. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming back on the program. It's been too long. We can't wait to see what happens this weekend, and we can't wait to have you back on the program. Thank you for coming on to Submission Radio. Miss those accents, guys. See you again soon. (laughs) Thanks, Jeremy. Appreciate it. (laughs) Bye-bye.